guys, welcome to Here for the Truth, episode two. Erasmus and I are back. Um, thank you for the amazing feedback from episode one. Um, we really appreciate it. It's good to put it out there and we'd like to continue that conversation. We want to delve a bit deeper into, into our journeys, our path of seeking truth, um, and basically the unfolding that's taken place for us. Um, so yeah, yeah, man, let's get into it. I've got a, I've got a bit of an opening quote here. Um, okay. Where some people have a self, most people have a void because they are too busy in wasting their vital creative energy to project themselves as this or that, dedicating their lives to actualizing a concept of what they should be rather than actualizing their potentiality as a human being. And that's a quote by the great philosopher and martial artist of the 20th century, Bruce Lee. How does that feel? Yeah, I mean, it's a great quote. And uh, I think it works perfectly with just what you know we're going to talk about today and um you know we're doing this podcast because it's a it's a passion project for us and you know we came together because the truth is really really important and living authentically is really important to both of us and because we're going to be interviewing other guests and everything we also want you to kind of get an get an idea of where we come from and what our journey is like so um yeah man i mean the quote relates deeply to me in the sense that I don't know again what it what it is in my life that caused me to make all these different changes and had these this, these different crossroads in my life, but I've had so many of them, you know, where yeah. it was like, no, at the end of the day, what is it what is it that turns me on, you know? And I'm not saying that just in the sexual sense, but what what lights me up? And yeah. if something isn't working, like how am I going to make that change? And I felt like, especially, I would say for me, you know, starting probably in in university in college and actually a a huge turning point for me was I my third semester in college I went to Boston University this is like almost 20 20 years ago actually I studied abroad in Sydney Australia wow and I I chose to go there because it was the furthest away from the U.S. and my university had its own had its own building in Sydney and different students from the US kind of like applied through that program. So I spent four months in Sydney, right before I turned 21 years old. And it was just a, it was a beautiful experience. You know, I also met lots of different people, a lot of Aussies who had been traveling for one or two years, yeah. you know? And in my mind that in, in our culture in the States, that's not a thing. Like we don't have the gap year that like the UK and I know Australians and I think maybe other places have. And so to be meeting people who have traveled around the world and were exploring life in a different way, as opposed to following that, this is how you should live. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're going to go to school. You're going to do what your teachers say. You're going to, you're going to listen to your parents. You're going to finish. You're going to go to college or not. You're going to then immediately get a job. Yeah. You know, which, the, hey, that works. Yeah. That works for some people. You the know? pre-planned, pre-carved path. Exactly. Yeah. And for me, it was, it didn't feel that way. You know, and yeah. when I when I met these people and I lived on my own in Australia and I was traveling around Australia, that seed was planted and I went, one day I'm going to take a year off and backpack around the globe. I don't know how that's gonna look, but I'm gonna do it. Yeah. And so from that moment on, like that seed of long-term travel or or going on a journey was was planted. And yeah. um, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk a little bit, I mean, I could, I could go into my story, into my journey. Nah, man, go for it. But like, it's just, I'm, I'm wondering. So like, 
how does that begin to open the just the idea of wow I can actually have my own experience as opposed to the experience that I've kind of always assumed that I was going to have moving forward um and uh, how does that how, once that seed is planted, what, what, did, what did it look, look, look like for you going forward from there? Well, first it started even just making the decision to go to Australia. Yeah. I had people go, oh, you gotta, you gotta be careful. There's a lot of sharks and kangaroos there, you know? Like, yeah. what? <laughs> you know, you're talking 20 yeah, something years crazy. ago. Like, yeah. and so I just thought that was odd. Yeah. So what is it that made me curious? You know, I yeah. think I had an innate curiosity, which, you know, you talk about even with like, whether it's my, my cards or my tyrosapic astrology or other things that we've talked about that we're both into, explore that. So I've had this innate curiosity. Yeah. Okay, so I'm in this new environment and I'm taking in information. I'm having new experiences that are then fueling new thoughts, yeah. you know, are fueling my imagination. And a lot of the decisions that I've made in my life have been something that just zinged me. It was like, you're doing this. Yeah. You're studying in Australia, you know, you're going to travel, you're going to, you're going to take a year off and travel. You yeah. know what, when you graduate college, you're going to backpack Europe for three months. So, and I graduated uh, college. Uh, this was in 2002. I took my savings. I packed up a backpack and I traveled around the uh, Europe for two and a half months. Wow. You know, it's so interesting. You say that man, because like every, everything you're talking about just to me um, and and my understanding of what I do through divination, it's so archetypal to you because that, that curiosity and that, that will to discover and investigate, that's, that's such a specific Gemini and trait. And you mentioned that you continually found yourself at, at a crossroads, at a junction, right? And in the tarot, we have the lover's card, which represents Gemini. Mm. And as you can see, these two individuals are in fact at a crossroads. And that is generally the overarching theme for a native Gemini. It's continually finding yourself at that crossroads, at that junction and saying, okay, which, which, which one actually feels right? And am I, am I going to, to risk the, the, the comfortability and the, the acceptance and the overarching, you know what I mean, acknowledgement from the collective? Or am I going to choose something that's more intrinsic to me and have my own journey of discovery? Um, and I mean, that journey of discovery is, is really what it's all about, right? Yeah. And, and for me too, it's like, I had, you know, my parents are both born and raised in Greece. You know, they're Greek immigrants into the States. My dad came to this country with no money in his pocket and, and built up a business to be able to provide for his family. Like yeah. he's much more of a practical man. So some of the decisions that I made in my life, um, let's just say he probably wasn't 100% in support. He wasn't 100% in approval of, but he still supported me, you know, because at the yeah. same time, he made that journey. My dad left Greece to be a merchant yeah. marine and work on all the ships. And he's a fellow, well, he's a Gemini in, uh, in, in Western astrology, June 9th. But yep. I remember you mentioned something about the last seven days. Uh, so maybe, maybe he had some more Cancerian energy. Is that what you're saying? Well, in, in, in the telescopic system, due to the procession of the equinoxes, unless you're born in the last six days currently um, of your house, then yeah, you'd move forward to the next. So he would be a native Cancerian in Capricorn yeah. Rising. It was opposite that. Um, so yes. more, more, more traditional. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and definitely, definitely is, you know, definitely was more traditional. But at the end of the day, it's like going back on what we talked about the last episode, 
it's like what is that that inner that inner voice that whisper you know that yeah. you know people call it your higher self like i don't know i don't know what that is but it's it's just that intuition that instinct something within you where i was like this is what i have to do this is where i'm 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 feeling pulled and drawn yeah. you know I, it's not like a I can't say it's like a rational, sometimes it's not a rational decision, no. even though I will think about it. It's like, no, this is, this is pulling me. But that, that, I mean? yeah, of course I know what you mean, because this is the, this is the underlying archetypal mythical motif that we are all standing upon. Okay. Um, but some just don't, I guess, tend to, tend to acknowledge it. But one way or another, this, this mythical journey, this, this underlying, I guess, whisper is, is kind of always there. Um, and you're either paying attention to it or you're not, or you're ignoring it, you're pushing it away, you're, you're whatever the case may be, you're eating it away, you're drinking it away, you're fucking Absolutely, it away. Absolutely, yeah. But, and, and, and the more you push it away, the more you repress that, the more you suppress that, really, the less, I guess human you, you you become and the more aggressive you become the more narcissistic you become the more the more tendency towards the rigid fixed structures you become because essentially you're denying what it is that makes you human it's that it's that oceanic experience it's not a fixed thing it's 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 the it's the feeling and the intrinsic knowing that there is something more unfolding yeah yeah, I, agree, man. I agree so it's been a, it's been an interesting journey dude yeah you know without a doubt and i'm really grateful for all the choices that have led me to where i am right now as i sit here across from you and have this dialogue and this conversation so man it's and, and, and it's part of the hero's journey you know like the first part is leaving the comfort of my home of absolutely, my parents man. yeah and go, even going away to university and living on my own and making mistakes and experimenting with some drugs and and just doing some crazy shit, you know, like that was part of it. And then throughout all these different journeys through the different trips, you know, I've been over 15 months of backpacking that I've done that first trip in 2002. And then in 2008, I took a year off yep. and it's like, I met different teachers. I, I um, read tons of books, you know, so it's like, how am I feeding myself and fueling myself and challenging my beliefs and, and having aha moments, you know, that's, yeah. that's been part of it. I mean, absolutely. And it's almost like looking back, you see where like, you see there's like this invisible thread where like without one of those experiences, without, without, without the sequence of those things taking place, really you would never have been able to pull it to find yourself where you are now. And you yeah. see that there are no synchronicities, right? And everything in a sense kind of had to happen for you to, to learn and discover to get to where you are. Um, I've got this, I've got this another amazing quote here by um, psychologist Eric Fromm. He says, the majority of well-adapted individuals have lost their own self at an early age and replaced it completely with a social self offered to them by society. They have no neurotic conflicts because they themselves and therefore the discrepancy between themselves and the outside world have disappeared. Mm. So yeah, I want you to talk about that quote. Well, the, the, the question for me is what separates those that are intrinsically willing to listen to that underlying pull, the underlying archetypal 
hero's journey and those heap that we've been talking about and those that I guess are just going to completely be absorbed by the collective and by the societal pressure and the societal ideal of ideal for themselves I know we discussed this briefly last time um but it's such a curious thing is it is it merely the the extent of the conditioning and the programming and and the trauma that's placed upon us or is it is there a different will within each of us that are that are more inclined towards seeing something else seeing the bigger picture using whole brain cognition um and going out on your own and finding that out i don't know do you have any thoughts on that you, you know i don't i don't know outside of yeah, it's this amalgamation of how you're raised, the time period you're raised, your astrology, your human design, your tarot, all the all these esoteric divination arts. Plus, again, if you want to get into the concept of you know reincarnation or you yeah. know having an older soul or being, um, you know, just having experienced different things in past lives, if you believe that, then maybe in this lifetime you're meant to do something different, and maybe you're going to yeah. have that deeper connection to that voice within and you're less you're less likely to be swallowed up by the crowd mind or the herd mind yeah you know i don't have the answers all i know is i look around and i always ask myself i go well why i'm so curious and this is a big reason i think why we're doing this show yeah no absolutely man the show is like well why all these different people we're going to have on the show i think we share this thread we're going to share a thread of we there was something else about life yeah. that we wanted that beyond just what mom dad teacher society priest class government etc is telling us how to be yeah you know definitely man and like for me like i just always felt this deep set antipathy towards traditional modes of work um i like i started writing um writing music and poetry when I was about 15, 16 years old. I remember just looking up beats on my computer and just writing rhymes. And I never felt, I never felt as good in anything that I did as to when I was in those flows and activated that flow state. And when I finished a song and then went over a song and I was like, wow, I just, I created that out of nothing. And I could never, never in a million years imagine for myself doing something, um, doing something, I guess, mundane, as opposed to doing something which I knew fed my soul and nourished me and made me feel like there was a connection. There was so much more. It made me feel wholeness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Why do you think that is? Why? Well, to me, once I had that experience, it's like if I'm to reject this feeling or reject this intrinsic aspect of myself, which makes me feel so good, how could I possibly make that choice? How, how could I make that decision? How could I make the decisions become a shell of myself and repress and neglect what is innate to me, you know? Um, so I just kept freaking doing that. And I knew that's, that, that's what I wanted to do. And that, that, that's all I wanted to do. Um, and for the longest time, I thought, you know, this was my calling. This was my passion. This was my desire. Hip hop was going to be my life no matter what um but my relationship with hip-hop i guess became i um in a way corrupted because all of a sudden i found myself having to um earn a living 
from from making hip hop um, and to prove myself from making hip hop and to prove to my friends and to my family and to the world that um, writing music is a sufficient way to to be well adapted to society as well. Whereas now I realize that it doesn't have to be that at all. You know what I mean? I can get as much fulfillment from simply writing a song as I did in the beginning when I first came across, you know what I mean, this, this intrinsic aspect, aspect of myself. And it doesn't have to be everything else that everyone else expects. Um, so for a long time, I had this, the, 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 these opposing forces where I had this love, you know what I mean, this, this passion for, for writing music, for hip hop, for poetry, for what I was doing, but also this underlying angst where it's like, I've got to get to a certain point with this thing otherwise it's never going to be okay in the eyes of everyone else you know and but these are the things right so when people find their passion and find something which gives them a semblance of wholeness and spirit or just something other than mundane society then all of a sudden they come against the pressure of that and it's almost like why aren't you why aren't you doing what we're doing in a sense you know um so yeah, man, it's it's interesting, but the most important thing for me was that I knew that there's something in me that was never going to reject that. Never in a yeah. million years, no matter what, was I was I going to was I going to suppress and neglect that? Yeah, me neither, dude. I mean, I think this is why we're here, where we're at, and yeah. uh, I can't say it's all been uh, roses and unicorns. You know mm. what I mean? It's it's it's, it's part not. Of the, part yeah. of, it's part of the that's part of the journey. That's part of learning lessons and building more resilience and and discovering who you are, you know, through challenges. Absolutely, you know, like man. That. Yeah. I remember when I was, I, after I left, uh, after I got back from college, I got this corporate hotel job. Yeah. And, um, you know, I grew up in the restaurant business. So I really liked making people happy. I thought I was going to, you know, work in the hotel business or have restaurants or whatever the case may be. And I got this hotel job and I really enjoyed it. I was young. I was like 20, 22 years old at the time. I was in charge of managing a bunch of people. I had some really cool mentors there, you know, I, I really uh, appreciate it. And I learned a lot, but this was post 9-11, you know, the industry kind of took a hit. Mm -hmm. um, the company was a little bit more corporate and I felt like my, I felt like my creativity and certain elements that I thought were a big piece of who I was, was, were, were slowly like yeah, waiting, the light, waiting. the light, yeah. Well, yeah, like the light was kind of dimming. Yeah. And I hit another one of those moments where. What am I going to do I about this? Yeah. What yeah I had yeah what am I gonna do about this and it was like okay if I continue on this path what is my life gonna look like mm. you know yeah. I probably could have gotten a lot of social esteem I could have been successful I could have you know yeah. done well but there was something in me that just wasn't being fed you know it was that yeah. connection to spirit that was dying in some way yeah well, and, not and, because the, and the idea of losing yourself in in doing that to you obviously was far more scarier than the idea of never actually finding out what yeah. would happen if I pulled this thread. Yeah. And, you know, I was fortunate at that time, like that job, I was placed uh, close to where I grew up. So I lived home and I yeah. say, I worked all the time and I saved money. Yeah. So I saved some money, which gave me the freedom to say, fuck it. Yeah. You know, like, Oh shit, it's 2004. The, the Olympics are in Greece. Mm. I'm going to go to Greece. My parents have a little place in Greece. You know, I'm going to go to my parents' house with yeah. a suitcase full of books and do nothing but read. Yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. I took money I saved and I just went on this journey and just 
I sat and read eight hours a day, different yeah. books, yeah. you know, just, and it, it changed my world, you know, yeah. that, that, to have that time, that space to just be, to even kind of be bored, to just kind of sit there and look at a fig tree for like yeah, 20 minutes and, and contemplate, you know, yeah. something that is, it feels a little bit more challenging in this fast paced tech technology driven world with all our devices we're moving from one thing to the next and so it's a period of my life that i look back on really fondly and it changed my life and it changed the trajectory of my life without nah, making yeah. that decision i wouldn't be where i am today and yeah. so many things happened after that maybe we'll get into later but but yeah man it's it's did you ever get to a point where um like it when you were in that place where you just want to sit with a fig tree for 20 minutes kind of thing where you thought this is all I want to do and I don't really have to do anything or, 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 or want to do anything or, or act in a way. Cause I know for me, like my, I guess, initial awakening period, um, it was through like um, the power of now Eckhart Tolle. Mm. I just finished a really difficult period where my career with hip hop really didn't satisfy my ego the way I wanted it to. Um, my first long-term relationship just ended then I came across this book and I read it and my consciousness shifted in a way. Um, but I re looking back now, I realize it was kind of an, an ego consciousness that was waking up as opposed to what would I consider now a realer um, and more authentic understanding of self. And I did for a long time myself swallow a lot of new age pills. And I found myself in a, in a position where I felt like I really didn't have to exert my will in the world or put myself out there. I just wanted to be at peace where I am in, in my body, um, you know, accept everything, resist nothing. Everything is what it is. There's nothing that I need to do except go with the flow of wherever the river of life is kind of taking me in a way. And I found myself in a position where I lost my individuality for a while there. I'll be really honest about that because I accepted these notions so deeply that there was nothing that I had to do. Everything was all good. You know what I mean? All I had to do was be with what is. And I took that on on such a core level where eventually um, that light within me became diminished because everything was feeding off me because I had no real healthy boundaries or no, no real... Um, I had no real sense of self because I became a nothing. I became a nobody in the way, in the eyes of a Ram Das or an Eckhart Tolle or a Wayne Dyer. Um, until, until on my hero's journey, you know what I mean? Everything that I repressed and neglected by taking on those ideas obviously um, caused my shadow to become a bit louder, you know? Um, and that was the real turning point for me was when I decided to realize that these philosophies aren't working for me. Something's not right here. Um, you know what I mean? I'm finding myself just kind of trying to passively keep all these flames around me mm -hmm. at, at a bay. Um, and only until I walked into the flames um, and really, you know what I mean? Put myself into the fire to, to burn, you know what I mean? What I created that was false, was I able to really then um, begin to, I guess, understand who I am and have that journey of true self-discovery something that is not given to me by anyone else by any other book it's my own gnosis my own knowledge my own understanding based upon decisions I've made and my own experiences 
and always adjusting based on how that feels for me and what I know is right and my sense of morality. What was it that was the mm. trigger for you? You know, obviously you went down some of this new age kind of journey, this path. What yeah. was it? Like what happened in your life that yeah. caused the big shift? Or was there like a dark night of the soul that- You mean that, 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 that caused the shift into my, what I would call my new age awakening or my- No, no, like after yeah. it. After, after that. Like when you said the shadow was getting yeah. a little uh, yeah. larger. I, I, found, I, I found myself hiding from my real self. I found myself in a position where almost I created a pseudo self out of these new age ideas of everything, everything's all good. Everything is roses and unicorns. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm already enlightened. I'm already perfect. Everything's perfect. There's no negative. Um, and I, you know what I mean? Eventually, when, when you do that long enough, you, you, you create a facade to keep that up because it's not reality and it's, it's never reality. You know what I mean? Um, like, yeah, dude, I have a really like, I never went too deep. Yeah. I never really got into Eckhart Tolle, but I have a lot of people yeah. that are. And I think there's, I think there's value. I think there's gifts for sure. No, but absolutely. Being in, Los, is, An yeah. being in yeah. Los Angeles, you know, yeah. like there is this pseudo spirituality. There is uh, an epidemic of spiritual bypassing yeah. where, you know, you utilize spiritual ideas, principles, com concepts to live above yeah. certain realities of being yes. human. Yeah. You know, some of the dark elements, some of the, the more raw, the emotions that, you know, it's like, well, no, okay. Like something bad could happen to a person and they won't allow themselves to have the experience of the thing that happened and just be, well, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. It was meant to be, it was meant to happen. And it's like, well, no, you know, exactly. there's more to life experience than that. And, um, but I mean, like when, 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 when you begin to develop the whole brain of cognition and that whole brain recognition, it's like the, the, everything is a polarity. Everything is a, everything's a duality how can that darkness not exist it's just mm -hmm. as real you know what I mean if not if not real life. yeah and you know there is a compensatory nature to the human psyche so if you over identify with one way of being or one ideology what is lingering on the opposite side what is buried mm. on the upper side on the other side within your consciousness that yeah. will come what that will come back to haunt you in some way or you will project it on other people you know, but this is this this is yeah, and this is ultimately the issue with ideology in general, right? An ideology that is given to us as opposed to ideology that is learned by the self for the self from within. Um, yeah, and exploring both sides of something, you know, yeah, it's man. like how can you know what a thing is if you're just looking at it just from its opposite? Yes, you know, like there has to be this dance between opposites, and it's funny. I had a teacher once. He was talking about what enlightenment is and it's like the ability to dance between opposites, you know? And what does that mean? It's not just like, oh, I'm, I've arrived. I can sit on the top of the mountain and meditate for seven hours yeah. or I never get angry. I'm not an angry person. You know, it's just like, but well, is that- even, even the concept that enlightenment in general is linked to luminosity or actual luminescence or light in general, right? Because yeah. in, the, in the esoteric tradition, enlightenment, it's not luminosity it's weightlessness, it's a lightness. It's a lightness that's achieved by recognizing the heaviness and by working through that heaviness and by acknowledging the heaviness and the darkness and bringing it forth, right? right? Integrating. 
as opposed to rejecting it and carrying it on your backpack and saying it's not really there. (laughs) Yeah, it actually relates a lot to the work that I do, the somatic work, where it's like we have this heaviness with this rigidity, this armoring, you know, we're restoring so much in our bodies, the toxicity, the wounding, you know, that stuck blocked energy, all those repressed emotions. What happens when you create space for that to move and to flow, to be integrated, to be yeah. experienced. Yeah. There is a lightness that happens. Yeah. Because know? that heaviness ultimately is linked to the, the stagnation of that bio energy, right? Mm-hmm. And the intri- ultimately, intrinsically, that bio energy is the shadow in extent. If that's not moving, if that's not flowing, then those unconscious processes are never going to be brought to the surface and allowed to be felt and processed mm-hmm. because as, as you said, through, you mean, through repression, um, it, it stagnates and that trauma stays in our body, right? Until it's yeah. actually, until we touch our body, until we understand somatic intelligence, until we connect the breath and the body and we allow our body to feel what's happening as opposed to trying to psychoanalyze everything. I mean, would you say generally that shadow work can actually be achieved just through the body without really having to get to an analytical root of what happened? I do, I do. do. I mean, I think think there are different access points. I think it's important to um, the mental, cerebral, conceptual work is important, but there's something that is different when you bypass the conscious mind and tap in directly into the subconscious, into the unconscious, yeah. looking at the body as the shadow, you know, like you mentioned yeah. the bioenergy, what happens when you work with that, when you manipulate it? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it was life-changing for me, you know, my foundational, yeah. my foundational education was, was, you know, really getting into a lot of the psychological stuff, some of the spiritual new age stuff, yeah. you know, I, I trained as an actor for 10 years and I was really blessed to have a lot of really awesome training and personal development work and self-exploration work. But for me, it wasn't really until one, I really tightened up how I ate and how I took care of myself and, mm-hmm. and ate real food and natural foods. And then when I moved to Los Angeles, like over eight years ago, and I met a, met a teacher and a mentor of mine that um, he was an ex Navy SEAL, he was trained in traditional Chinese medicine, and he kind of took me under his wing. And I learned some really powerful modalities that help get this bioenergy flowing, to get yeah. the blood moving, the lymph flowing, to to break down some of this armoring yeah to soften my tissues to get the pain out of the body yeah you know, that was game changing for me it, it had you know it sounds crazy to say this but sometimes i say it's like this element of jedi training but it's like you ever see uh, the movie the matrix yeah like when when neo like when the they shoot the bullet they shoot the gun at him and he dodges the bullets like it felt that life slowed down that things that normally would trigger me and have me go off didn't impact me in the same way so there was a lightness there was this yeah there was a more freedom within but because without that your your relationship with time and desire is completely different when you're simply viewing things from left brain cognition as opposed to whole body intelligence and whole psyche understanding right we're always we're always chasing we're always looking for that next thing we're always looking to to be gratified in a certain way because we lack that that abundance within and the true desireless state not the renunciate state the true desireless state is being comfortable within one's own being within one's own body and having that bioenergy flowing and having that 
you mean just that feeling of aliveness within the body yeah. i think yeah the aliveness and the subtle awareness of what is happening you know moment yeah. to moment like it is subtle a sensation yeah. subtle sensations you know there, there are times where you know i talk to people i work with people and it's like yeah. well what are you noticing in your body and and it's like um i feel fine yeah but how how, how uh, often would anyone even come you know. to the come to that observation or be asked the question to actually tune in and be like how's my body feeling right now what, yeah. what, what is it telling to me yeah like right now as i'm talking right now i have this connection to my body and i mm. feel slight tingling sensation on my palms i feel like a little vibration in my left thigh like so it's like how do we yeah. create that 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 knowledge within the subtlety oh there's my my bottom right foot right now feels like it's a little warm yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. that level of nuance yeah you know, that, that is really the sensitizing, isn't it? That is like, because yeah. also like we all have this armoring. We all have it. And without developing the sensitivity, it's actually open that gateway and build the connection to the body. Um, you're not going to get there, I guess. Yeah, it's just different. I mean, it's yeah. a different way of working uh, with consciousness, with yeah. personal development. And I think it's important, you know? I don't think you could just talk your talk your way out of like trauma you know there's a subconscious process that's happening when you experience something traumatic in your life yeah. so just to sit there and talk about the thing that happened when you were seven eight nine fifteen twenty a week ago yeah uh it may help you kind of gain some analysis and awareness but there's there is an intelligence that's happening way beyond what your conscious mind can even yeah. grasp so yeah and i know um Michael Tessarian always talks about um, the three folds, right? The having a balanced relationship between the eigenwelt being the self, mm -hmm. the mitwelt being the social world and the world around us, and the umwelt being nature. And the existential trinity, right? The existential, the trinity, existential trinity, yeah, that's it. And without that imbalance, and obviously the body being the primordial, your first environment, the home, then you are going to be out of balance, right? Um, because without without that without that eigenwelt in tune, you are going to be inclined to be more collectivist, mm -hmm. in a sense, right? Um, yeah. And if any, any any one of those three are out, then of course there is um, disorder. That yeah, there needs that. to be the the yeah. balance, you know, the integration of the three. Because at the end of the day, we are also social beings, you know. Mm. But how can you hold your individuality? while still remaining in relationship you know yeah. we're relational beings yeah. it's not like oh hey i'm fuck the world i'm gonna go live in a cave yeah, for exactly. the next 50 years yeah. now okay you, you can do that. that yeah you know that's it's different you know so that, it's, it's, yeah I've, I've got okay i was gonna say it's interesting because yeah. you know you can escape and go to an ashram and meditate 10 hours a day yeah. but then it's like okay well who, who was it was it ram das or someone said oh if you want to see how enlightened you are, go spend, you know, a holiday with, with your family, with yeah. your family, you know, yeah. and then see how you can navigate and deal with, deal with all of that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, which, just the, the idea that that leads to us, you mean, having to have gurus, right. And having to have a picture of a guru on the wall in, in a sense, because in, because in, in that, you know, I mean, we've, we've lost our sense of self. So yeah, yeah. Come, come, come fill the space with my face on your wall kind of thing. Right? Yeah. And again, it's a balance between it's like, it's good to have teachers, but yeah. to what degree then do you like, I lose my sense of self and I'm a follower and everything you say is the God, holy gospel. Yeah. You know, mm, it's nothing is easier for, um, for men to practice than self-renunciation. They do it every day. 
It's not a difficult feat or a moral achievement. It's a disease. Not selfishness, but the absence of self. Not self-esteem, but self-alienation. Makes possible the barbaric cruelty that men practice against one another. By Nathaniel Brandon. I, I was going to say, was that a Nathaniel Brandon yeah. quote? That definitely <laughs> sounds like him. That's the yeah. thing, man. Because when, when, when the morality is given to us by everything out there, as opposed to real morality, which comes from in here, I mean, ultimately, of course, this is what takes place. Yeah, man. Uh, that's a great quote. You know, I got to finish his one book. What is it? Uh, the Six Pillars of Self-Esteem, you know, but a wise, wise man that I obviously recommend anyone who's uh, watching this to, uh, to look into his work. Considered the father of self-esteem. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and it's interesting that you talk about that because part of my journey when I think about is when I was I would say my, my 30s, especially, but I realized that a lot of my identity was built around what other people thought of me. Mm-hmm. So I was getting esteem, but externally. So yes. it was, you know, all oh, my teachers thought I was a great actor, or I was smart, or I worked hard at my job, or my parents loved me, or whatever the case may be. So it was like, oh, my friends thought I was a good friend. I'm a good person, you know, like I, I have value because of look, all these people think all these things. And it wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles and just did another dark dark night of the soul for me where it was just like, well, who am I? Because I left all of that in New York City and I came out to LA and it was like, well, who am I outside of what all these people think about me? Yeah. That took took things to a whole nother level. And like, without asking those questions, you're like, which the majority of people will never probably do, um the the big questions what am i doing here what is going on who am i what is this experience right um then again to me um you can't possibly begin to to open to the oceanic mythological archetypal motif um that really is the hero's journey and really is calling us all the time to to step into our true potential um and just back on what we were discussing like the idea of selflessness that comes about from the from the renunciate path um and the complete rejection of self-care and self-love and ultimately selfishness in in the positive way of putting yourself first and deciding what it is that you're inclined towards what you like who, who am I and how can I build upon that as opposed to how can I continually give every single part of myself away to be seen as as a good guy mm-hmm. by, I by feel like I, I, uh, definitely Daniel Brandon and Ayn Rand spoke a lot about that she wrote a book called The Virtue of Selfishness and of course I think she got a lot of flack for that uh, because of again that word holds this connotation you know oh my god you're so selfish I mean we're experiencing it with experiencing with the world that we're living in today like how dare you not wear a mask you're so selfish you want everyone to die yeah how dare you not do what the your presidents and your prime ministers and your government officials and your health ministers tell you you're so selfish yeah and we 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 we, we started we started through childhood you know what i mean yeah share everything why aren't you sharing why do you you mean it just it's you you don't have to have anything for yourself right it's almost like everyone can have everything we have we all share it together in a sense, you know what I mean? And the moment, that, that's just the seed of it. But as, as that develops, you open yourself up to any parasitical force because 
you don't develop those healthy boundaries and that healthy relationship with yourself of, you know what I mean? No, like I, 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 I can, I can be selfish and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I've actually got a quote um, that is from the virtual selfishness. She says, it's not man's immorality that is responsible for the collapse now threatening to destroy the civilized world, but the kind of moralities that men have been asked to practice, right? Mm. So mm. <laughs> there, 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 there's there some other it. quote that's like, I'm, I can't, uh, I can't think of right now that relates to that too. Um, yeah. But this, what this is, is what, what is she's it? Saying. The road to hell is paved through with good intentions. With yeah. good intentions. But I mean, absolutely, because ah, oh, it doesn't matter what I did. It was from good intent, right? I'm doing the right thing. I, I mean, and everyone, the consensus, the consensus says that I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just again, it goes back to this like repression or disconnection from the eigenwelt getting swallowed up into the crowd, the herd mentality, the mitwell, you know what I mean? Yeah. Losing connection to nature, which I feel like on some level, even your body is part of that. Your body is part of nature. Man, it's, it's, a, it's a trip, dude. Nah, definitely, man. And this, this, this is what she's saying. When, when morality is given to us by, by another, um, then that is what's truly responsible for the collapse and for the destruction that we see around us, right? Because ultimately it's the collective unconscious. It's their morality. It's not, yeah. it's not your morality. It's not the morality of the, from a of sense the super of ego of the super ego, you know, yeah, the morality of that, that yeah, gets exactly. placed upon you. And exactly. it starts, it starts when you're young, you know, where is it? Is it an inner directed morality or yeah. is it what the priest's class, again, the teachers, your parents tell you. Yeah, man, it's the emperors and it's the higher fans right do you, to, do you want to talk about them a little <laughs> sure so i mean simply simply put um the the emperor is representative of the, the government the authority right the, the the king of the environment the one whose will has to be done at all costs and the hierophant is the it's the authoritarian of the minds it's the popehood it's the priesthood it's the so between them both They've got you, right? They've got you in the world and they've got you in your head. Um, and until you begin, can begin to question that and really, I guess, um, develop your own authority, your own sovereignty within yourself, one that isn't outsourced to these two forces which want to control um, everything, um, then yeah. Yeah, man. And, and I think that's where it's so important to... You know, it makes me think of, I don't know why it just made me think of, but one of the first books I read was Siddhartha by Herman Hesse. And it was just like, here is Siddhartha had all the riches, had all these comforts. And he was like, well, no, I'm going to go find my own way. I'm going to live, I'm going to live this path. I'm going to go out and see what's in the world and, you know, make mistakes and be poor and do this. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's something that's, I think, important in that regard that I don't know that for some reason that made me think of that. No, um, definitely, man. Um, I mean, that, that, that that's the Darth the road is the authentic road, right? He's out there and he's discovering for himself. It's a it's a crooked path. It's not the straight lines and the highways no. that have been built in our hearts and in our minds by these two. Yeah. Yeah. Do this, go to that, go to A to B to C to D, follow the rules. Oh yeah. And it'll be it'll be easy and you'll get there really, 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 really quickly. 
Um, but here's a cookie. It's called "You'll Get to Go to Heaven." Yeah, but don't look at the mountainside along the way, right? Don't see what's beyond these two walls on this straight road. There's, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, it's just here you go. It's it's done for you. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm curious. Uh, yeah. Go. I'm curious. What are what are a couple like really big kind of uh, turning point moments in your life, like specifically that really had an impact on you? in you know getting to where you are today right now yeah i mean um i mentioned the first one already um it was definitely that that initial shift in consciousness that took place during my first dark night of the soul um like before that i was like i had so much angst um you know what i mean continually felt like the world was against me like nothing was really going my way um until until that shift took place and i began to assess things in a different kind of way um and the second one was when you know that 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 new age kind of false light consciousness went too far and i kind of lost myself um in uh, in that um and you know what i mean that the shadow comes knocking bro and either either you're gonna you're gonna bury it um and you'll you'll be given the opportunity to, to bury it definitely and you'll be given the opportunity to never have to have to face it um but that comes with a, obviously a cost or you go and you know what I mean and you deal with it you you face it you begin to put out those flames and you're going to burn yourself when you when you do those things definitely um but the freedom that ultimately can be attained by um making that conscious and by bringing that forth how, how could you make any other decision right yeah I love hearing your story, man. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I want to, I want to keep asking you questions. Like, <laughs> like, 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 what drew you towards the divinatory arts? What drew me towards the divinatory arts? Um, the first thing was I wanted to learn more about myself through astrology. Um, so for a long time, I was looking for, you know, what I mean, because there's so much out there about astrology, um, and really, it is, it is all confusing. It is all in in a lot of mysteria, and the rational or logical man, it, I, I completely get why he's never going to be drawn towards it because there is a lot that doesn't make sense, um, and it doesn't make sense. The idea is that these that the planets have some kind of existential ruling force over our lives, it doesn't make sense, um, and it wasn't until I came across. You mean the esoteric tradition and the, I guess, the terascopic system, which views, um, which views astrology as, as inward first, as esoteric, right? Um, it deals with the fact that we are walking, living, breathing zodiacs, each of us as individual planets, and everything that we did out there in terms of the motifs and the shapes and the stories that we gave to the constellations and the world around us were, they were the primordial projections of psyche, you know? Um, so it's so important that people get this the right way around because if, it, if it's in the reverse position and everything you do is dictated by what's happening on out there, where does, where does your free will go? Where does your individuality go in that, right? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, man, um, ultimately my search for that led me to the esoteric tradition to, to, to the Terrascope's Mystery School. Um, and he makes the connections between astrology, between tarot, between numerology, 
and it makes sense. Simply put, it's simply and accurately, it makes sense. And that that mystical journey and the understanding the archetypes of the planets, of the tarot, um, of the numbers, that continued to open up within me that a deeper understanding of the underlying journey, the hero's journey, the, the imaginatory, the connecting fibers which link the bits and pieces of our lives together in a sense. You know what I mean? It becomes, it becomes wholeness as opposed to this, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me, this is happening to me, that left brain compartmentalization. Um, through understanding the story of these 78 cards, through understanding um, how, they, how, they, how they came to be and what they represent, and how they truly are that underlying story and journey for every single person. Um, then, yeah, man, to me, that's the most fascinating thing in the world. And the reason I want to share that is simply put to, to give people back their sense of individuality in a world that's constantly trying to take it from them. Mm-hmm. Because let me tell you, man, these arts, they gave me the confirmation of who I always knew I was to be, right? Um, numerologically, I'm a seven. My personal numerological significator is specifically the seven of cups, cups being the emotional. Um, and what does the seven of cups mean? This is literally what it means. It means imagina- imagination, it means poetry, it means um, literary gifts, it means creativity. And like, this is everything that I always did with my life. But to see this confirmed in this way where it's like, how, how did that just happen? Um, and it's like, you mean, that's the confirmation. This, this, this is where I'm going. This is who I am. This is what I'm doing. And I'm not looking back. Yeah, I love it, man. And you gave me a little mini numerology, terascopic numerology reading on Instagram the other day and talking about the 10 of, ten swords, of swords, right? And yeah, that, uh, you know, it was, it was spot on too. So I, I just think it's really, really cool. And, and I've said it all the time. I might've I might even said it last week, but these systems they shine a light on things that very often we know about ourselves, but to get that affirmation just allows an individual to, just like, kind of, to own it more, I think. Yeah, man. I mean, how can, how can the materialist have a leg to stand on? How can, how can we deny the metaphysical aspect of reality when you have these arts that are proving this time and time and time again? And there's much that we don't know about the divinatory systems and that, that mystery, right? That little gap of the fact that it's not, it's not hardcore scientism. Yes, it's a science, but there is much to be explored about that. That mystery is still there. Yeah. And how does it come to be that, you know what I mean, we can, we can discover ourselves and have those confirmations yeah. through these arts? To me, there's nothing more fascinating. Yeah, and part of walking that. the authentic path and um, seeking truth is being open to the mystery. Yeah. As opposed to like, yeah, I know what's up. I have it figured out or my one teacher said this or this book this one book said that like no there, there's like I'm constantly humbled constantly yeah. even though I can be self-righteous and be like I know a lot of shit like at yeah. the end of the day I understand like I there's a there's so much yeah I'm completely in the dark about yeah and that wonder and that mystery it does something to my spirit yes, to my being but that, you, shift, you, know, you shift from becoming scared of the unknown which is the state that most people are living in to actually being open to the unknown and letting that letting that mystery unfold for you personally. 
personally. What what in the tarot represents what you just said? Is there anything that represents that? Like like being open to the mystery or, or moving into the unknown? I'm curious because I'm not super familiar with the tarot. Um, yeah, I mean, and so, I'd love to learn more. Yeah, so I'll do this in a basic, simple way, but the initial 22 cards of the major arcana just simply represents the, the sun's journey around the ecliptical, right? Um, in fact, each there's, there's 12 specific cards in the deck which represent the 12 houses of the zodiac. So the sun reaches his peak in Leo in card eight in strength. Um, it gets to the top of the mountain in card nine as the hermit. And then he realizes that, you know what I mean? This is as bright as I'm going to shine. I actually can't shine any brighter than this anymore. Um, and my light is about to dim. It's about to wane. I'm about to enter the, the underworld. Okay. Um, so the, the sun at that point, he, I guess, exits the, the materialism, the, the extroversion, the obsession with society, with fame, with virtue, with what society is given to him. Um, and he goes into a, into a deeper journey, which is, which is the underworld cycle as he moves through then um, Libra, Scorpio, um, Sagittarius, and into the nadir of, of Capricorn. Um, and as he comes out of that, of course, he's changed by that, right? Of course, he's changed by, chain, by, by um, facing his shadow. Um, and he has a greater sense of wholeness when he, when he comes back on the other side of that as, as the universe, as judgment, um, as Aeon. And this is, cool. right? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's all there. The, the hero's journey is, is there in these cards, which are tens of thousands of years old. Yeah, I look forward to learning more. That's for sure. They're really cool. Yeah, man. <sighs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good little talk, man. This is our second episode. This is our second episode. This is our second episode. Um, a continuation of our first. I love it, man. I'm so excited to be here with you. I love having these conversations. Uh, we, we're going to have a guest on next week. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, we've got a guest booked in for next week. Yeah, yeah. We're, uh, we're working on bringing some other guests uh, in the coming weeks as well. And we really, really care about the authentic journey. It's yeah. something that I think is, is so relevant, uh, even more so today. And to, to connect with these people and to interview them and hear the stories and how it shows up in their work and their life is going to be really cool. That's the thing, right? Because um, the guests that, that we get on, yeah, I, I definitely want to know about the story. I want to know about how they got to where they got to, the different, the different wake-up calls that they had along the way and the different questions that they asked as, as, as life hit them um, and as they were carved away into, into where they are now, into expressing more truthfully that, that, that deeper sense of self as opposed to the self that is given. So... Yeah, should we wrap it up there for now for episode two? Uh, I think it's great for episode two, man. We, I was in a good <laughs> conversation. I loved your little uh, summary of the hero's journey with the tarot. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to seeing everyone uh, next week when we got our first guest, our first yeah, official guest on Here for the Truth. Sounds good. Thanks for watching, everyone. Um, cool. Pleasure to be here with you all. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Take care. See you guys. Nice. This is still recording. <laughs> Smoke a
mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion Waking up in a the time, they think you're in a delusion Somebody set the alarms, cause they be too busy snoozing I'm in a DeLorean Fast forward in evolution to a place where we can share our confusions Yeah, 450 BC, I'm sharing tea with Confucius